0: What's up, Bike fans? If you've ever wondered how wax chain lubes work, why they're better, or what graphene is and how it works as a lubricant, you're in luck. I have Silca owner Josh Portner with us today, and we go deep into all things chain lubricant, including a better way to lube your chain that's surprisingly easy and massively effective, no matter what type of chain lube you use. From the challenges of sourcing high-quality and authentic graphene to the mixing and formulating, we cover everything you want to know about how it works and why, even when it's so expensive, you should really still use it. It's not just about saving watts, and it could save you hundreds of dollars in the long run. Please welcome Josh Portner. Hey, Josh, welcome to The Bike Rumor Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So I wanted to talk to you, we're going to start with the, the new Hot Wax X product. Which is a super graphene infused hot melt chain lubricant, and um, you know you've been doing chain lubes and other kind of chemical based products for a while now, which is a bit of a departure from the pumps. But where did you even start with this? Like, how did you go from like <laughs> pumps to like I, you know? I think we need to do something with chemicals. Oh geez, so uh, I mean, this th- the the wax starts way back. Uh,
1: in my prior life at, at Zip, when we were working with c s e and um you know i had, we had played with chain wax when when I was racing you know in the nineties I loved I was waxing chain and um you know we had access to uh, some really cool testing equipment and you you could see i mean the wax chains were faster than really any of the other lubricants and they're i mean they have all these side benefits we said wow you you guys should really be using." hot wax for time trialing and and so we were doing that here and there. You know, I think I taught the some of the mechanics, you know, how to do it with the crock pot. And, you know, we were putting PTFE powder and in, in paraffin and it really pretty straightforward stuff. And then, you know, Jason Smith at Friction Facts starts doing his thing and he starts kind of homebrewing and he, you know, brings the uh, molybdenum disulfide to the party and, you know, it's like, oh that's a that's a cool, you know, inventive step and, and taking it a step forward. And um yeah, and then I, I honestly for years had thought, you know, I really need to find a way to make this a liquid because, you know, no, no one in their right mind is going to hot wax their own chain. I'm like, I'm one of the 10 crazy people, um, you know, who, who enjoys that. And so I spent years figuring out how to, or a couple of years figuring out how to emulsify that product into a liquid. And during that time, there were some advancements in the tungsten disulfide and, and some other agents Um and so, you know, we brought right, I mean, like, what, two weeks into COVID, we had a moment where um, the product was basically done. I didn't have the labels or the packaging for it yet. And the COVID thing hits and, like, you know, our city, like, a lot of them gets shut down and we send everybody home. And, you know, I had a day where I, I literally told them, I I will pay you as long as we can afford to pay you. But I, you know, I don't know how long that'll be Um and how long this thing will go. And so, you know, uh, let's all stay in touch. And, and, you know, we all learned to use Zoom and Teams. And and I got home and was like, oh, God, you know, we've got enough money to go, you know, whatever, eight weeks of this. Um, and I'm sitting on all this inventory of this, this product that we're trying to launch. And so I, you know, if you watch the video, I launch it in my driveway. <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember that. I, I drove to work. Um, I put some barrels of this stuff in our work Sprinter van and drove it home. Um, bought this little bottler off of Amazon and just started bottling it in my garage and thought, well, <laughs> you know, may, maybe this will do something and, and our eight weeks of cash can become 10 or 12 weeks of cash, you know, d- d- depending on what it is. And, and you know, I think some of the lucky people out there who have the, uh, or not about lucky, but people who have those early bottles, you know, it's like an Avery Denison Label printed on my home printer <laughs> that my kids put on the bottles, and you know I'm bottling with this thing from Amazon and just making the biggest mess and um but I think what we hadn't expected was it, it struck a nerve, you know everyone else was at home um you know looking for something to do and watch and and it, I think it just hit this nerve of like, oh yeah, for you know twenty five bucks I'll try that and um and then it was a great it's a good product right, and it all of a sudden starts dominating the zero friction data set as, you know, the first wax lube to penetrate. And um it just kind of exploded. But but almost immediately, I think in that first video I said, oh, you know, I've I've been making this as a hot melt for years, and now we've got it in a liquid that you can use and and th- you know, the pointy end of the spear, right? The most hardcore customers you were know, like, well, I want the I want the one the pros have. I want I want the hot melt. And it was really a moment of like, Oh crap! I I didn't know there were other people like me out there, and so we started that. And of course, that you know totally dominates the zero friction. I think it's it's still the all time leader by like a factor of three or four uh, through all six blocks. I mean, it's it's just completely dominant. Uh, And then this sort of starts this this you know arms race of of lubricant, and you've got people out there adding all sorts of stuff, and you know one of them being graphene, which we had looked at quite a bit. You know, graphene was only discovered in two thousand four, and pretty quickly they knew that it had this amazing lubricating properties. Um, but the problem has been that, you know, it's so hard to get the real stuff. You know, there's there's a ton of stuff out there. Um, and as I learned, you know, buying, I mean, I spent thousands of dollars over a couple of years playing with, gra- you know, air quotes, graphene that, that quite frankly, wasn't real graphene. Um, and then, you know, going through this and I, I kind of had a moment of, you know, I wonder if I just reach out to the lab at, Manchester, where it was discovered, Um,
0: and just ask them, like, where where can I get real graphene? Right. Let's actually, I I do want to dive into that. I want to put a pin in that for a second just because I've got questions that we're jumping so far ahead of, right? So, like, (laughs) I mean, how do you emulsify wax, right? How do you get wax to be a liquid at room temperature? Uh, So, there's all sorts of ways you can
1: add a solvent to it uh, to essentially thin it till it's a liquid there's some kind of like pressure spraying you can you can atomize it into droplets that you spray into water and then the droplets like kind of instantly cool and you get um i guess if you think of it if you look at it under a microscope you have these little like microspheres of wax essentially all floating in a in a water um or or an alcohol or, or some other solvent so there's there's a handful of ways um it's actually some of the equipment that we ultimately found comes out of the uh, dairy industry. For, like when they homogenize milk, they basically high pressure force it through kind of a screen with these little tiny holes. Um, and and it, a variant of that is, is a way to get, uh, to, to get the wax emulsified into a liquid.
0: So the what, what? Well, what method do you use? Because I imagine, and then, like with solvents, does it just that solvent just evaporates at once, and leaves yeah. that and that's what leaves that waxy coating on the chain, or exactly, exactly, yeah. So we
1: we emulsify into water uh, as our solvent, and I think that's one that confuses people sometimes a little bit. Like, oh, I thought you said it was solvent free, and you know the the solvent here is is it's just water. Um, it, it's not a like a harsh chemical solvent. Um, but yeah, doing it the way we do it allows us to really sneak up on kind of that right wax to water ratio that allows it to penetrate into the chain. Um, but then also allows the water to evaporate, you know, 12 hours, 8 to 12 hours is, is optimal 24 if you want to get, you know, 100% of the water out. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would say that that was kind of our secret in that project was, you know, most of these products out there that are these drip on wax chain lubes don't penetrate inside the chain and so you know zero friction data set has great descriptions of all this but you know um, a lot of the drip wax lubes in the market have to be immersed either in like a plastic baggie or or in a uh, you know a cup or something and you agitate the chain to try to work it in and and i i would say our secret was not so much in the wax water uh, emulsion process or the method that we were using but it was in getting the the little microspheres of wax just right in size and then, and consistency. Um, and then getting the, the ratio of the wax to the water and the, and the tungsten disulfide additive, um, just right that it was thin enough to go in, but not so thin that it, you know, runs out the other
0: side. So do you have to like the, the tungsten and, you know, now graphene and whatever else it is that you're adding, do you have to melt that into the wax first and then you're, micro spraying that into the water or are you adding all that stuff to the water and then the wax and it just kind of figures oh, it out on its own you get into all sorts of my trade secrets here um, yeah share what you want <laughs> we,
1: yeah no we 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 put it into the wax first and then uh emulsify and, and that gives a couple things the the tungsten disulfide um you know, it does not love water um you know and it it, it, its lubricating properties in like wet or humid environments uh, decrease, and so we want it fully encapsulated in the wax. I guess that that's another kind of secret of, of how we do it. If you were to, you know, there's a Not million more. companies. <laughs> yeah. Well. Oh, well. <laughs> and the beauty is, you know, any any of our every one of our competitors has bought this stuff and reverse engineered it already anyway right so you know you you get a good enough microscope um or, or access to a lab with a you know a, a dsc and a, a couple other pieces of equipment and anybody who's going to anybody who potentially wants to make what we're making it they've already you know figured it out um you know we we love to act like we're the smartest people in the room sometimes <laughs> and the reality is that, you know we're we're just not um and and you know that's my secret in, in I think almost everything I do but you know it, it's my my biggest skill set probably is finding people way smarter than me at specific you know in specific niches and and then leveraging their their knowledge and expertise um and and so that's you know we we were fortunate here to to find some really amazing partners um who knew infinitely more about the nuances of of all of this than we would ever know and and um you know like I've said for years, the, the beauty of scientists and researchers is is that they all, they're dying to talk to somebody about their life's work, right? And so, <laughs> right. you know, I, if I show up, you know, I can come calling and it's like, oh, man, that's fascinating. Tell me about it. Oh, my God. The, you know, it's, <laughs> the, the, they'll go forever. Um, it, and, and so, you know, I think that's, that's for me where this gets really fun. You know, you get a couple of people in different fields at that level of smart, and then you get them in a room together and, you know, my job is to just kind of try to, like I said, I, I'm never the guy probably to figure out, like, the answer. But if I'm doing my job correctly, I'm the guy who's figuring out the question. Right. Um, you know, and in a lot of cases, and, and the, the question here was, you know, we we know hot melt works. We know that the current state of wax chain lubricants don't work that well. And so what's the question? Well, the question's, you know, why don't they work and how do we fix that? And, and the answer was because they don't fully penetrate and, and we just need to figure the technology or the ratios or the, you know, the, the, the why they don't penetrate and then solve it.
0: All right. So with, with yours, with the drip on, you know, you just put it on is, is just cycling it through, like, just like cranking the pedal or the bikes in the stand and, letting the chain rotate so that it's been in a couple of ways, is that enough to like, let it fully kind of penetrate into all the little links and rollers and pins and everything? It is with, with ours. It is, um, uh, you know, that's,
1: that's not true of everybody. And again, you consult zero friction, um, for, you know, don't want to name the brands that don't, but it's most pretty much all the others. um, we also did some really deep study into the best way to get lube in the chain and it's a little counterintuitive, but it's pretty cool. You you want to essentially cross chain like big ring and, you know, second largest cog in the rear and you want to apply the lubricant on the top of the cassette right where the chain goes from, right before the chain goes onto the cog and and so what's happening, if you you think of it in kind of like line drawing terms the chain is straight between the chain ring and the uh, top of the cog it's straight at an angle about 6 degrees to the to the cogs then once it is on that cog it's straight right <laughs> it, it it's straight again but there's it it's angled at 6 degrees right at that intersection point right there's a, and if you think of how the chain links work you've got these essentially little horizontal you know, separations between like the side plates and the inner plates. And, um, and in that moment, those little horizontal gaps form little triangles, right? So as it transitions from the one straight to the six degrees, the other straight, um, you open this little wedge. And if you can get the lubricant dripped on right there at that point, you get almost a little pumping action where the gap, you know, you get on right before the gap opens. And so then all of a sudden your little parallel line opens to form a gap and the link, the drop wants to uh, fall in. And then it goes straight again. And now you've got multiple, you know, it goes from straight to curved on the the cog. Then it goes from curved to straight, right, to the jockey wheel. Then it cur- bends again, articulates again onto the jockey wheel. Then it goes straight. And so you're getting it on at this time where you get this little pumping action but now you're also getting this series of back and forth articulations in the chain and that's helping to kind of like wick and
0: drive it through Hmm. and that's so backpedaling you're talking backpedaling as you're drifting on so right before the chain gets onto the cog Yep, exactly, nice. exactly.
1: And so so we we did a ton of study on it and and actually if you look at our original launch videos I'm doing it what we would now call wrong um because we <laughs> didn't know any better and we hadn't studied it. But uh yeah, we put a lot of study into that and and found that you you can get somewhere on average, you know, between like 10 and 15% improved penetration and lube holding with with any lube. I mean, it, it doesn't matter which which brand um using that method. And then the other thing that we recommend is just, you know, Run it a couple of times through with your fingers kind of pinching the chain top and bottom and that just kind of um, helps smear it over a little bit more length of, of the gap area um, and then, you know, wipe it with a microfiber towel or just let it dry and it'll, you know, uh, once it's dry, you might get a little wax flaking when you when you ride it the first time
0: or two. Yeah, that's always my tip for people is don't put a wax lube on the bike that you're going to put on the indoor trainer. It right. flex all over the floor. <laughs> I learned that the hard way.
1: Yeah, yeah. But they will vacuum up. We always say they don't, if you try to wipe them, they smear. But if
0: you vacuum them, they typically come straight up. Okay, good to know. Good to know. All right, so let's let's jump to graphene. So my first question is like, I mean, graphene's exploded, right? It's in tires. It's in some other chain lubes. I mean, it's just in a lot of products now. So are all these things, they have fake graphene or just a lower quality? Like what's the, because you said, you know, air quotes on graphene. There's a huge range of quality, that's for sure. Some of it's, um,
1: you know, some of it's real, some of it's not. I mean, there's some products out there that are definitely using the real stuff. You know, we haven't tested all of it, so it's hard to say. I I know I certainly struggled like heck to find the
0: real stuff. How did you tell? Like what, you know, when you first sourced it, how do you look at it and say, nah, this isn't real graphene? Well, for us, it, it was just in the testing, and we've got a couple of the
1: ASTM different uh, friction testers, and, you know, you you read these research papers that have been out since the mid-2000s, and it's, you know, oh, you put 1% graphene in oil, and it's like a 20% friction reduction. And so, you know, you start with with research that's been done, and you try to repeat it and go, well, the graphene I bought does bugger all when you, <laughs> when you put it into oil. So, you know, is, is all of graphene crap, or is my graphene crap? And... and the reality was, you know, I think most of it was just not probably the real stuff, or, or um, not, you know, they use this word like functionalized, um, you know, maybe it was meant for something different, and uh, yeah, I we just didn't have luck there, but but we know from some of the products, uh, you know, out in the market that that have graphene in it, that there are performance benefits so you know we just kept plugging away and that's where like i said i you know we call the university of manchester where they discovered, and you know the, the the two guys there uh it discovered it at the lab won a nobel prize for it and you know but yet you call the lab and like they're happy to talk to you uh about what they're doing and you
0: know they i imagine there's a pretty small pool of people who want to geek out on that with them right their, their families are probably super tired of hearing about it right
1: right yeah i think it's, it's like you know any super crazy niche thing you, you know it, it, it's like the conversations we have right you know the, the rest of the world is like my god what are those guys droning on about but you know for us it's interesting and yeah uh, i you know i feel so lucky in my world that i can you know parachute into the the world that folks like this live in and, and live in it with them for a little bit and geek out on it and and you know and then move on to the next thing a year or two later and um it's probably the best know, best part of my job you know getting to just absorb from these really brilliant people but but uh it turns out that that lab had started a company called, uh, like, 2D Tech, I think is the name, um, that merged with, so they they have labs at Manchester and one at the University of Cambridge. And so there was Cambridge Graphene and this 2D Tech, and they merged and formed a company called Versarion. And, uh, you know, and so pretty quickly we get in touch with Versarian, and they were the first company certified by the Graphene Council, which, you know, News to me, there's a graphene council um, that certifies manufacturers, and they were the first company to have like functionalized graphene product that was also certified as being the stuff. What do you mean by functionalized? Oh, just just useful, like put in a form that that's useful. You know, so the the thing with graphene is that you know graphene by definition is single layer graphite, um, and you know if you like the the true grapheneist graphene is a single <laughs> atom thick like if you if you were to look you know you, people love to do the little stick and ball molecule diagram things uh in all their logos and stuff it if you look down on it it's essentially a single molecule thick with this like hexagonal linking structure and um like a, a sheet of graphene is almost like a you know little pane of glass um in appearance, and and you know they people can make actually pretty reasonable sized you know like a, a centimeter square by one atom thick sheet of graphene. I mean, you like can't even quite wrap your head around how crazy that is. But but graphene is so graphene is in its truest form single uh, atom thick graphite sheets. And of course, the reality is that 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 particular very vari- version of the product is you know like beyond expensive and hard to make um and so this sort of like functionalized graphene that people are trying to make is is more of what we would think of as like few layer um graphite right so like the the product that, that we're using is trademarked by versarian is nanine and the nanine is guaranteed to be fewer than 10 layer 10 atom thick uh, or 10 layer graphene with about a 10 micron on a side sort of a a plan form area and then interestingly under load um you can like it it exfoliates um and so you you may actually um you know split your 10 layers into you know two five layers and then those may split into you know two and three or whatever and so when you look at graphene as it, you're actually buying it I, ideally you know you're saying okay i want as much single layer as possible and then followed by two layer and three layer and 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 then you're putting some ceiling on what you know what what the max layer is for us the, i think it's 95% of it is nine layers or less um and and at that level i mean the stuff is ungodly expensive right i mean it's like <laughs> like on the order of like $25,000 a kilogram expensive Jeez. um and so and so you know that's the other thing people say like why is this stuff expensive like well if you're actually using it it there's no other way you know if if somebody says there's graphene in something and it costs what it used to cost i guarantee you that there is not <laughs> there is not graphene in it because um you know to to really make the stuff work you've got to use you know, a percent or more, um and and do the math from there, right? I mean, it, it it there's a lot of money in this stuff, and so yeah, I you know get in touch with Versarian, and you know we've got the Manchester and Cambridge and the lab guys, and it was just a super fun, exciting project. And you know these guys are working in like you know with space satellite stuff and F1, and you know I mean just it, it, every every conference call, every Zoom call with with this crew is just like as much fun as a bunch of nerds can have, <laughs> right? Because right? um, there's just so much cool stuff going on and, and, you know, and what we're doing, we're like, well, I'm, you know, we've been put, putting graphite in paraffin for 40 years. Let's, you know, let's put, let's see what happens if we replace the graphite with graphene. And and you know, the answer is it's,
0: it's amazing. So I remember like as a kid with the Pinewood Derby cars that we do with Cub Scouts and stuff that, you yeah, know, the, the smart kids or the ones with parents you knew would have little graphite <laughs> yeah. powder, right? And you put it on yep. the axle, you around the wheel and it made a world of difference. Yeah. But that was, that was dry, right? There was no yep. wet element to that lubricant. So why not just use like, like what does the wax add to the chain loop? Could we not use like a dry graphite, graphene, graphite powder on our chain? you absolutely can um and the challenge with
1: that the challenge with that with graphene at this scale is that it it becomes a health and safety risk because the the you know you think of graphite powder as you know maybe in the couple microns on a side um and and has enough weight to kind of i don't know <laughs> be affected by gravity <laughs> right <laughs> um in in a meaningful way and and the graphene being you know like a million times thinner or, or whatever that the math works out to be. It, I mean, it has almost no mass. Um, it goes airborne easy. It stays airborne um, when it gets there. And then it's, you know, it's a nano powder. I mean, it's, it's, we, we just don't even fully understand, I think yet the, some of the potential health safety risks of, of these things airborne. You know, what happens if you breathe in graphene? I don't know, but it's probably not good. You know, by putting it in something, you, you eliminate that because it's, you know, once it's wetted, um it, it's captive and it's captured. The the other reason you you want it in the wax is the part of the same reason we've been using wax for 40 years as a as a chain or more as a chain lubricant is um dirt and water and mud and and crap can't get in to those gaps in the chain if there's already stuff in there. <laughs> And so, you know, the real beauty of the wax, right, and why it stays so clean is if if all of your negative or empty space inside the chain is full of wax, um, nothing else goes in there.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs>
1: nice. And, and so, and then the wax also under the high pressures in the chain does start to creep out and flake off over time. And so, in a way, it it's almost like a self-cleaning effect that, you know, dirt that's on the outside of the chain ultimately will be displaced by wax that's sort of... You know, being compressed and pushed out of the gaps in the chain and falling off, um, and so y- y- you're just overall. We're you know we're getting the, the graphene or the tungsten disulfide or whatever our additive is. We're getting it where it needs to go. Um, we're holding it in place for long periods of time with with the wax, and then we're also preventing it from being contaminated. And I think that's the that's the real secret. I, you know, if you're you're going into space. Um, you know, it's it's pretty common for uh, – to use like a high-velocity tungsten disulfide powder, they'll spray metal surfaces. So, if you look at like the the um, rovers on Mars, the wheels and the hubs of that are coated with a dry tungsten disulfide spray, and it's essentially like a metal-on-metal metal with this in the interface. Um, you know, and, and graphene is replacing that dry uh, spray-applied lube in a lot of areas because it's it's just better.
0: Yeah, I was actually—I was going to ask, like, what's what's stopping you know chain manufacturers from embedding graphene into the metal itself, and or or like you know I'm just going to—I don't know if it's the same process or not, but like a hard anodization mm-hmm. of the chain plates and pins and rollers with the graphene substance, and just eliminating mm-hmm. the need for lube altogether, except for you know never mind the cleaning properties, right? But right. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, it, that that's all coming.
1: I mean, y- you know, it's p- people are people are working really hard to figure out what all you can really do with this stuff. Um, you know, I mean, you, when you read the the sort of like the the biography of graphene, I mean, it it's ridiculous. It's like the hardest thing known to man. It's the most thermally conductive. It's the most electrically conductive. It's I can't even. It's like the most lubricious substance. I mean, it, it's like if there's a category of of quality you can think of it's it's probably the best at it i mean (laughs) which is pretty bonkers and so you know and so as a result i mean every industry on earth is looking at this as like this is the future you know and this is going to you know be in the next you know whatever quantum computing chips and this is the next best you know thermal conductor and i mean so it's kind of like no matter what form of geekery you're into you're playing with graphene right now right um you know, people are adding it to uh, the resin systems and, and composites and making stronger, you know, composites. I mean, it's, it's, it, it just doesn't end. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm super excited to see, you know, what the next 10, 20 years brings. I think it's, it's going to change the world in a, in a huge way.
0: Yeah, you know, at face value, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because they're adding it to tires to improve grip. You're adding it to chain loom to improve the opposite of grip you know, reduce friction (laughs) and all that. It really, um, you know, like, uh, one brand's putting in their brake pads to create friction. So it's, it's really just, it is sort of a a magic material that has a superlative everywhere. Um, how, like, how does it create lubricity? How does it reduce friction? Like what, what is it about it? Is it just like, if I had to guess, I'd say, well, it's so small. Maybe it's just filling pores and imperfections in the surface so that they are more slippery. So, it itself is quite slippery, um, and it's slippery
1: against itself, and then it is, like, similar in hardness to diamond, and so, a coating of it on a surface, like, if you get enough sheets of it coating a surface, that surface is now harder, Um, and then it slides against itself quite well, and so, you know, I think one way to think of it maybe is, you know, if you think of, you have, like, a stack of paper, like, a ream of paper, and how... um, you know, how, like if you push it on its side, it'll all slide out, <laughs> right? And, and so that's – you sort of get this like laminar slippage effect where you've got this thing that's super slippery and particularly against itself. And then you get the plates kind of wanting to align because they're so thin, but they have pretty good area otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then you've got that you're the, the, essentially it making the surfaces harder, more protected, Um it it like nearly the hardness of diamond right i mean it really it really is hard to get your head around it and and i think it it's it, it's pretty cool you know you read these research papers and there's just so many thousands of them out there and you know there's a lot of de- debate on like what is the mechanism <laughs> for to do these different i mean s- some of the the things you know the mechanism is i think pretty straightforward like you know the thermal conductivity um you know it's a single atom thick and it's this amazing conductor along its axis as a sheet and then also if it you know is laying against another piece of itself it'll conduct to that piece quite easily um so i think some of the mental models that we you know we use to understand these things um are pretty simplified or pretty logical maybe the word um but then there's other stuff in it and it's all this you know nanoscale everything is coming right i mean you know we're playing with nanoscale tungsten disulfide and nanoscale um Molybdenum disulfide and and there's just weird stuff happens when stuff gets this small um, and and gets to have this much surface area per mass um, that the behavior is just different, you know, and I was reading an article the other day on nanoscale aluminum platelets uh, being used in explosives and how, you know, they make these like nanoplatelets of aluminum and it becomes like some of the most explosive high energy stuff on earth. And it's still just aluminum, right? <laughs> right. And, and and so, I mean, there are these weird, um,
0: just these weird effects when things get to this sort of scale. So what are the concerns with that? You know, if I'm out mountain biking and this stuff's flaking off in the woods and maybe near a stream or a river or something, all these nanoparticles of tungsten disulfide and graphene are now out in wild. Like, is that going to yeah. hurt wildlife, fish, plants? So
1: I would say... At some levels, the jury's still out. I, I don't know if we know enough to know. I know um, one way to think of it is, you know, if a, a flake of graphene is like diamond um, and, you know, we've had diamond in the soil for a long time, right? And it's not, you know, there's, you, you don't find diamond by looking for like the dead fish. <laughs> and, and, you know, so I think there's a level of, I would say, safety understanding that we can kind of glean from that, you know, like this stuff, like you get it on your skin, it doesn't hurt you. You know, like I said, you you don't want to be like breathing it in. Um, but it's, you know, at least for like our product that it's encapsulated in wax. And so, you know, I think if any of it that does end up in the environment, it's a pretty inert substance, um, especially once it's encapsulated in the wax, the tungsten disulfide that we use in, in the other product is quite interesting in that it, it actually – it has been tested quite extensively. It, it's been on the market for much longer. Um, and it's actually approved by uh, uh, the Bureau of Land Management as well as um, the EPA for use in paints on like boats and bridge moorings and things. And, um, because it makes the paint super lubricious, and it makes it less makes it harder for uh, like clam, invasive clams and barnacles and and species to attach uh, to that. And so there's extensive water contact, wildlife contact uh, type work that's been done on tungsten disulfide. So, and, and it's one of the few chemicals that's that's considered uh, completely safe. The flip side of that would be to think about the PTFE or PFAS uh, situation, right? You know for for whatever, 30 years long as I've been in the sport, you know, Teflon and PTFE and, and all those, you know, PFOA and all those uh, PFAS chemicals have been in lubricants. And of course, we're just now starting to understand the the negative effects of those, particularly in that, you know, they bioaccumulate uh, in, in plants and animals and they're and causing humans. all sorts of problems. <laughs> and humans, <laughs> right? And so and so now we're looking at, oh, you know, we've got premature births and, and cancer and, um, you know, certain wildlife populations are all being wildly affected by PFAS because there's so much of it. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, we like we as a company have taken a stance of, of being 100% PFAS free. We won't allow it in anything we do at any level. Um, you know, even if it can bring a, a technological improvement, um, you know, a good example being like the glide rings that we use in the pumps. Um, you know, we have gone away from the PFAS loaded engineering plastics to an actual like a tungsten disulfide loaded engineering plastic, and it, it's quite a bit more expensive. But it, it just—I just want to be completely out of that entire PFAS value stream, value chain, right? I, I don't because the precursors are toxic, right? The product itself is toxic, and then all of the waste created during the manufacturing and the use is is also toxic. And so it just—why the hell are we still doing this? <laughs> and you know, in some cases, it. Like the glide rings, it works, but, you know, all the the chain loops that have PFAS in them, quite frankly, are terrible, right? They're awful, high friction, high wear, terrible products. Like we don't want to be poking certain competitors in the eye, but like we have solutions that make way better lubricants at way lower impact. And we're just choosing
0: not to do it because it's so cheap and ubiquitous. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the problem, you know, in general is, you know, it's cheap right? Like yeah. why do people eat at fast food joints? Right. It's cheap. We know it's bad for yeah. us. You know, everybody, yeah. most everybody realizes like, Hey, I'm like literally killing myself by eating this, but it was two ninety nine for a, <laughs> I could feed my family yeah. for $10. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. So the, you have a, a liquid, the super, super secret chain lube, which is a liquid wax. And that has a tungsten disulfide. How long until, or can you get the The nanine graphene into your liquid wax product as well potentially absolutely we're, we're we're not there yet like what's the challenge with doing that? Have you just not tried it or is it is there like a chemical difference uh, I mean I, I think some of the challenge is just making sure there's a market for
1: hundred and $65 chain loop <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> well, for starters. I mean, you're you know, already there with the, I mean, the hot wax X, aren't mean, you? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you think of, like the, the investment from our side, you know, the, the stuff is very hard to, to mix and, and hard to work with. And, and so, you know, we, uh, for, fortunately we actually have experience. We had to build a, uh, like an explosion proof, um, room for uh, our titanium powder for the 3D printing that we do. And uh, and so we have this, a lot of experience with like the health and safety side of that. And of course we had to do it. It's not an explosion risk, but all the health and safety and the special equipment, um, you know, respirators and things for handling the uh, the, the graphene. Uh, it's just it's just bloody expensive. So are you blending that stuff there in-house in Indiana? We are. Yeah, oh, and wow. then the, the blending equipment is very, very expensive. And it's hard. I mean, it, it, Finding the right way to get the stuff mixed, to get the dispersion that you want, it's just hard. You know, I think it, all of us, even myself, you, know, you start the product with like, well, we'll just stir it in. <laughs> and of course, you know, and of course you can't just stir a it little in, right? Immersion like, it, blender. It's, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, exactly. It's like making soup, you know? And, <laughs> and of course, it's just, it, it's, nothing is ever that easy. No, never. And so, you know, like, like anything, it's, it. you know, we're six figures invested into figuring this out and making it work. and getting the right type of mixing and heating and the health and safety. And, you, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it just, it takes time. And, and, and so, you know, we, we will get
0: to uh, a, a drip product. Um, I have no doubt at, at some point. So that's, that's an interesting, I mean, six figures. That's, you got to sell a lot of tubs of hot wax X yep. to recoup that investment. Why not start with the liquid product that I would imagine has a much broader market appeal? Well, for one, you've got to figure out how to get the wax made first before you can
1: emulsify it into the uh, other okay. product. So, so there's, there's definitely some directionality there. Um, but, but also, I mean, I think you look at the performance improvement of the hot wax over the drip wax. You know, you look at, again, zero friction. Our, um, our hot melt is about four times better um, th- than the drip wax. Right. I mean, the, the hot melt is just untouchable. Uh, you know, our drip wax is at the top of the, you know, the top of the pile of of drip lubes. Um, but the hot melt is still a four times improvement.
0: We should qualify or quantify. I'm not sure which word is right there, but yeah, you know, at this point you're still talking about like such a microscopic or as you like to say, marginal gain improvement, right? <laughs> yeah. So four times is sounds impressive, but it's like what, like a half a watt? Or? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so zero frictions data is all about where. And okay. so
1: the, one, the best way, easiest way to think of it is, is a chain, waxing your chain with our hot melt, it will last four times longer okay. through the harshest conditions. Four times longer than using the liquid version? The, than using our liquid. Oh, wow. And, okay. and our liquid... Our liquid lasts five or six times longer than a lot of the other liquids. Right? So that's
0: actually um, substantial, right? Because chains so are that's super sub- expensive these days.
1: Right. <laughs> and 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 when your chain goes, it takes generally takes your cassette with it. And this cassettes are ungodly yeah. expensive yeah. right now, it's, right? It's almost ridiculous. So, but but from a wattage perspective, yeah, it's it's half a watt, and so the the best way to think of it is, um, uh, and I'll you, know, you can believe my data, but you know it was, it's it's always the weird thing being the manufacturer, you know, it's like if we if we don't bring data, people are like, oh, I won't buy this. I want to see your data, and then if we do bring data, they're like, I don't believe manufacturers' data.
0: <laughs> so so I always try to quote as many third parties as possible. But I'll put a link to the Friction Facts stuff in the.
1: Show notes yeah, for this zero ones. friction, and then and then Tour Magazine Germany did a lubricant shootout, and and the scale was like from plain paraffin to molten speed wax was about half a watt improvement. From molten speed to our super secret was about a half a watt improvement, and then from super secret to our hot blend uh, was another roughly half watt improvement, and then hot wax X is a, another half watt improvement over that and and the challenge here is like you know we're talking we're down now in the order of about three watts of loss on a 250 watt input so each you know, we're getting very you know it's an asymptote right we're, we're getting very close to the point where like there's just not enough loss <laughs> I, not I don't know what the next level is right <laughs> well and, and you have two asymptotes in this equation right as the benefits are flattening and becoming ever less you know it's the old uh, you know you go half the distance to the wall and then half the distance again and ha- you know and and you'll never get to the wall right because you're only ever able to go half the distance but at the same time that you're going half the distance to this wall your costs are are bending in completely the other direction right your your cost of that next development is is almost going vertical um and so, you know, so eventually this stops. And I, you know, I, I think for, um, you know, certainly we're spending our development dollars now in this category. After Hot Wax X, we are no longer looking at improving efficiency. We're looking at improving life uh, application longevity. Right. Right. So, so Hot Wax X, you know, uh, Secret Blend is about a 300 kilometer uh, per application. Hot Wax X is eight to 900 K wow. per application. Um but, you know, in, in an ideal world, it'd be like, you know, you you do it once for the life of the chain. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's more
0: than most people ride in a year or two or three in some cases, right? Like, talking about, like, okay, I buy this, what is it, $150 a tub or? 165. 165. And literally, I have to use it one time. So, I've got leftovers, maybe, I can share with friends, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and that, and that, it's a
1: 300-gram tub, so that that one tub will get you probably 25, maybe thirty chain waxings grief!
0: so can i like all right do i have to melt it or could i literally just you know like i, I remember sitting at the other mm, one time it. and the, the yep. wind wax guy had this bar of wax he's literally like just wiping wax on his chain like can i just take your stuff and just like <laughs> rub it into the chain if i don't want to mess with melting it no no,
1: <laughs> no matter who makes it and, and zero friction go go look at he has a very comical take on the the testing from the wind wax, not to knock them, they, they make some really great products and their ski waxes are actually really good. But it, the rubbing the wax on the chain is just, it absolutely 100% doesn't work. Is that because it's just not penetrating or? Yeah, it just, you're making the chain quiet by getting in between the side plates mm-hmm. and nothing else. And so you, you end up with this incredibly high friction, high wear thing happening at the pins. Um, And the rollers, right, where where you really should be worried about things. But you don't realize it because the chain's relatively quiet because you've put this um, kind of damping, quieting material into all the places that would make the noise that you would hear. And so, yeah, I I can't remember the zero friction number, but I think, you know, his whole test is 6,000 kilometers. Um, Only a handful of waxes do the whole thing without hitting 100% wear, um, super secret does the whole thing at 27% wear, which is why we say it's, it's four times better than the second place. Um, and I want to say that, that, that rub on wax product, I, I think went like 1500 kilometers of the 6,000 before the chain was a hundred percent worn. Like it, it has like 70% wear in the first block, which is just clean, dry, no contamination, no water. And then he starts adding water and, and contamination. You know, the test gets harder as you go through it. Um, and so, yeah, you, you just, the, 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 whole rubbing wax on your chain, you know, which has been around forever, um, also, but it, it
0: just 100% doesn't work. Well, I'm out of questions about wax and graphene <laughs> and nanning and stuff. Um, yeah. What, uh, what did I not ask about this? Like, what are the questions? I'm sure you've gotten a million questions about this stuff, right? Like, what have I not asked that seems to be a common FAQ?
1: I honestly, I, I, I think you've hit it. I mean, we, I would say the the wax customer right now is either a hundred percent bought in and wants to talk to you about nothing else, <laughs> or they're or they're like a total like head shaking like no way in hell like <laughs> I don't care how good it is or what it does no way. But yeah, I I it's it's funny. I mean, like, like Leadville and Philly Bike Expo and all, and you know we've got. Bunch of pros and some World Tour teams have been racing this stuff for a while, but you know we're at Philly Bike Expo and we were laughing like we don't even have to sell hot wax. Like people come up and they're like, "What is this? Oh, that's weird. I don't think I do that." And like inevitably, there's another per- customer in the booth. It's like, "Oh no no no, <laughs> it's life changing." <laughs> like oh shit, they just let them sell each other on it. Yeah, word of mouth. It's the best marketing, right? It really is. But I I, I think we're just at that spot where you're either open minded to the concept of hot wax or you're not, um, and so yeah, the, the, I would say our, our customers have had no questions. They just want to buy it. Yeah.
0: I I need to try it. I'm a fan of the liquid wax products. I mean, you know, like my, my kind of stepping stones into this was, you know, squirt lube, right? Like squirt lube was cheap. It was easy. It seemed to work great. Um, I always liked it. You know, and the biggest thing was like you said, like it just kept the chain so clean, you know, like it didn't matter what I wrote in. Right. And then now we've, you know, there's so many more advanced products like yours and Others I won't name, but yeah, like you go down that rabbit hole and you start seeing oh, and this one works better. And then this one works better. And it's so quiet, but yeah, the, the cleanliness, right? Even if nothing else, if you just don't want to get crud on your calf or your socks or your clothes, right. like, just use a wax lube. It's yeah, but that's really cool. Great, man. Well, I appreciate it. I don't want to keep you too long because we could certainly go down some other rabbit holes with <laughs> other products, but uh, we'll save that for another one. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Josh.
1: No, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure.
0: If you like this episode and have a product or tech you're curious about, head over to bikerumor.com slash podcasts and fill in the form to submit your idea. You'll also find links and photos for this episode there, plus a link to this and every other episode we've ever recorded. If you really like this and want more, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. That's the grease that keeps our wheels spinning over here in podcast land, and it helps us keep getting amazing guests for you. You can find us on social. We're at BikeRumor on all the things. And if you like random entrepreneurship, NFT, Web3, cycling stuff, you'll find me at Tyler Benedict on all the social channels. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep the rubber side down.